So we have been uh, talking the last couple of weeks about the implications of Easter and how Jesus is our living hope and what that means for us, what that means for us as believers, uh, what that means for us as the church. And really the, uh, the, the truth of scripture and the way in which that impacts our lives, not only for eternity, but also for the mission in which God has given us which we're going to talk about a little more next week. And this week, though, we're going to look at, the, at, at sin and the way that that gives us freedom from sin. But quite frankly, the implications of Easter and the implications of the resurrection, without that, none of this matters. Without that, none of this matters. It's not just today, not just the church, but everything. Everything. The, the word implication is defined as a possible future effect or result. And because he is alive, because as we've sang about, as we know from history, and as we know within our hearts, we know that he is alive and we can say that he is our living hope. And we know from the truth of God's word in that. Uh, You know, one of the biggest things that um, we all struggled with, that a lot of us struggled with over COVID, was the idea of control. We didn't have control we had a, a lack of control, a, lo- a loss of control in many, many areas. Anyone here a control freak? Yeah, some, yeah, there should be more hands than that. But the ones that didn't raise their hands were like, well, I didn't ask the question, so I'm not in control of that. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is this. We all have aspects of ourselves where we're control freaks. There's all different aspects of us that that we get into the my way or the highway mentality, attitude about certain things. Not all things. That can get us in trouble sometimes, for sure. Um, But those aren't actually the things that I'm talking about when I talk about control and I'm talking about control freaks. So let me ask this. What has been controlling you? What has been controlling you? Maybe another way to say this is what has been ruling you? What has had its, its rule over you? Examine yourself for just a minute. As, as a church family, when we come together and take communion, one of the things that, that we're supposed to do, according to Scripture, is to examine ourselves and to look in, inside and, and to not worry about anybody else, but to look at us and our relationship with God. And so I'm going to ask you to do that here for just, a, for just a minute. And then to really think about that as we're going through the Scriptures for the day. What has been controlling you? Is it maybe your schedule? Time? Straight up, that's me right now. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, every, every Sunday, and I've said this a few times, but, you know, it's amazing the way in which um, God puts some of these things on my heart and my mind that we end up diving into together as a church family on Sundays. I've never preached a message I didn't need to hear myself. And today is one of those, for sure. Um, But maybe it's those things. Maybe it's money. Different aspects of that. Maybe that's controlling you. Maybe it's addictions. And there are different levels of addictions that can control us. Uh, It's not just maybe necessarily the hardcore stuff, if you want to call it that. But there's, there's subtle levels of that that control us. The thing is, control and what has been controlling you and controlling us, it manifests itself differently in each one of us. It looks different for you than it does for me. 
And it may look different this week than it does next week. But ultimately, all of that, the control issue there, I can boil it down for all of us to something that all of us can relate to because it's a problem that all of us have, and it is this. Your sin nature. You, you have a sin nature. I have a sin nature. Every human except Jesus who has ever lived has a sin nature. And you can't help it. There's nothing you can do about it on your own. You, you have that. Since the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden, you have a sin nature. Now, sometimes we could hear that. We might hear that. And maybe want to lean on that as a crutch. They're like, well, I just can't help it. I'm just being me, you know? And, and there's, a, there's a level of that. But let's be honest. In order to address something that needs to be fixed, we need to first be honest about what it is that needs fixing and what the problem is there. And we all have this sin problem. We all have this, this area in our life where we come up short to God's glorious standard. And this puts a unique perspective on things because it gives us a moral compass to aspire to because of the word of God. So we have this standard of perfection in Jesus because of what it says in God's word. And, and that can make this life feel like an uphill battle. It can really make it feel like an uphill battle. Oftentimes as believers, we can feel like the underdog. You start to feel like the underdog in a lot of ways, like, like we're going into this nearly impossible battle. You know, some of the best movies, The Karate Kid, Rocky, Star Wars, of course, um, and many others, they describe stories and victories of underdogs. And we love these stories because we see these seemingly impossible situations with a villain that looks bigger and stronger and, and even smarter most of the time than our heroes. But then our heroes come out winning on the other side in this almost supernatural way, and we love that. And, and why do we love that? Well, for one, we can relate to it because we can relate to the underdog, to the person that feels like, I, I, can't, I can't battle this on my own, and, and there's no way I'm going to win this, this, this battle. And so we can relate to that because we want to see victory like that in our own life. We want to see those kinds of victories in our own life, but we feel like underdogs in many aspects of life today, especially as believers right now in 2023. Let's be honest, as we're looking around at the world around us and the trajectory in which things are going, it can very much make us feel like it's an uphill battle at all times that you know, you start to feel like, what's the point? And you feel like an underdog. But, but God says differently. God says you are not the underdog. God says you are not the underdog. The word of God makes that real, real clear. Whether we choose to, to believe that and to see that. But I believe I'm not the only one that needs to hear this today. I'm not the only one that needs this simple reminder from God's word of this huge implication of the resurrection because that's exactly what it is. An implication of the resurrection is exactly this, that you as a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not the underdog. You're not the underdog. And no other believers before the resurrection 
Maybe you don't realize this. Before the resurrection, no one could say that they had the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And after the resurrection, at the day of Pentecost, we know that as believers, when we put our trust in Jesus and we surrender to him, that the Holy Spirit is now living inside of us and it is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And we're gonna talk about that here in just a minute because at the crucifixion, it seemed like all was lost. It, it seemed like everything was done, right? Jesus is dead, darkness is reigning. But because of the resurrection... Because of the resurrection of Jesus, that darkness has been defeated. That darkness has been defeated. And what seemed like something hopeless has changed into hope. What seemed like sadness is now joy. And that's the power of the resurrection in your life and in mine. And the implications for us, what really makes us feel like underdogs, listen to me, it's the power and perspective that we don't utilize enough that Paul is going to remind us about today in the book of Romans. So if you do have your Bibles or your Bible app, turn to the book of Romans. And we're going to be uh, going through a few different chapters in there. I'm going to start in chapter 1, but then we're going to be in chapter 8 most of the time. And so Paul is writing this letter to the church in, in Rome. And, um, and he's talking about the power over sin and the freedom that the resurrection of Jesus can bring us today. And I feel like that's something we all need to hear and we all need to understand maybe. So we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 1, and I want to just read verses 3 through 4 here real quick and, and sort of set the stage. Paul says this, the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this is important because we're seeing the line of Jesus, the family line of Jesus, prophecy fulfilled in all of this. But he's talking about how the power of the Holy Spirit is what raised Jesus from the dead. And so the implications of Easter are all over this for us because his resurrection power gives us power as followers that we can claim that the war is over. The war on, the war on all of this, it's already over. The victory is won. The victory is won. The, the, the end is there. But it's kind of that already not yet mentality. Because he is who he said he is. And so he conquered all of that. But, but if we're just being control freaks, if we're just being control freaks in our life and not letting go of what we can't control, not surrendering that over, not utilizing the power that is available to us so that we can be free and we can walk in the freedom that Jesus wants us to walk in, then our controlling sinful nature, it's just going to leave us chained up. It's going to leave us chained up and bound. So let's go to Romans 8, Romans chapter 8, right at the beginning of the chapter. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, so now now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So, so that should be encouraging right off the bat. No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So this is great, right? This is awesome. The power of the spirit has freed us from the power of sin. So then just be free. Right? Let's pray. No. I mean, like, but like, that's how we feel. 
That's how you can feel sometimes reading this, right? Just stop doing that. You know, the, the doctor, you know, the, the, the joke. You go, this hurts. Okay, don't do that. You know, okay. That's how we can feel sometimes. And as Christians, we can make other people feel that way too. By, by saying and, and quoting these things without full context of it. Just, just stop being that. Just stop sinning that way. You know, it's not that easy, is it? Yeah, raise your hand if it's that easy. Zero hands, right? It's not. It can be tough to see the victory. We read, we read just one snapshot verse and it can be tough to see that. And it can, you can read that and be like, man, that actually makes the hill look even higher sometimes without context, for sure. Because we don't always see and feel or think or experience that freedom. It can be hard to really grasp the implication of victory over sin from the resurrection because it's easy to see the darkness in the world in which we live in. It's easy to see the darkness in the world and in our life. Sin, death, and evil, they have been conquered by Jesus. But we still have a fight. We still have battles. We still have temptations. But here's the thing. We don't have to fight it on our own. And Paul doesn't just leave it there when he makes that statement. Yes, that is a true statement, but he doesn't just leave it there. He goes on. So let's go on. Verse 8 says, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. So let's break this down a little bit. Those who are not believers, those who are not believers in some ways, in some ways they have a tougher battle against sin. And let me tell you what I'm, let me explain that a little bit. See, all they have is their own power. If you're not a believer, all you have is your own power against sin. And there is no chance at victory against sin on your own. No shot. Zero. But the argument could also be made on the other side that unbelievers don't even realize the sin battle that they're in. May not even realize it. Which actually makes it tougher on us as believers because we do realize what we're fighting. At least to a degree. But to those who have the resurrection power of Jesus within them, you have the power to choose. You have the power to choose. And this might seem like I'm going back to the whole just, just don't sin thing. That's not what this is saying. That's not what the word of God is saying here. This is not just a motivational speech that's, you know, mind over matter kind of thing. There is a level of that that we have to make up our mind because God gives us a, a mind and a brain to use and free will. So we have the choice. But it's that plus the power of the Holy Spirit and that's what takes it to the next level. See, you are made right with God because of the Holy Spirit within you. That's what the word of God says. That is the implication of the living hope. Let's go to verse 11. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So that's awesome. Like right there. That's, that's incredible. 
The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, we're gonna get back to that part here in just a second, lives in you. Parse that. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. See, the resurrection, the resurrection power that you and I are promised because of what the word of God says, because of what Jesus did for us, that gives us power over sin. And do you know why? Because Jesus beat death. Jesus beat death. It says also in Romans, for the wages of sin is death. And so sin is the ultimate cause of death. So sin is the ultimate cause of death and that result can't be defeated unless the cause is defeated. You follow me? And Jesus defeated death. So he defeated the cause. So the defeat of death is the defeat of sin by Jesus. And he's the only one who could do it. He's the only one who could do it. And as his children, as followers of him, as his children, we claim that victory and we can utilize that power. We can utilize that power. Let's keep reading. Verse 12, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So the power that raised Christ from the dead that's now living in us frees us from the obligation. So there's like getting rid of the crutch. Paul's like, remember that, that crutch that we talked about? Like, oh, well, you're, you're, you just, you're sinful nature, so I guess you're just doing what you do. He's like, nope. You have the spirit of God living inside of you. You are under no obligation to live life according to your sinful nature. You're under no obligation to do that. So we have to make the choice to use the power that is within us. We have to make the choice to utilize that power. And as followers of Jesus, the spirit inside of us, we don't have to be controlled by our sinful nature. And as our heart gets closer to his, then our behaviors will follow. See, what this is not saying is change your behaviors and you'll be fine. That's not what it's saying. Get, get your heart closer to God and your behaviors will naturally become more God-like. That's what, that's what the Bible is really telling us. That's, that's what it's telling us about how we can utilize that power more. As our heart gets closer to his, our decision-making becomes more like his. The things that we choose to be a part of or not part of become more like his. And what, we, what he wants will be more of what we want. See, we have the power to choose because he's given us free will. And so do you believe that? I hope that you do. I hope that you do, but if you do, you need to know this. The belief requires action. Belief requires action. You can believe all day about something, but until you make the choice to act, you can't say you believe it. There were 60 people who believed that they could run a 5K in the cold rain yesterday, and they did. And it was awesome. 
their belief required action for them to say it. You could sign up and say, I'm going to run a 5K. And you could say that while you're driving 5K. But, but there were 60 people that ran it. And it was awesome. And thank you for being a part of it. And even if you couldn't show up or whatever, thank you for supporting our students and all of that. It was a great thing. But here's the thing. The world doesn't need another Christian who just stands up and says, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And, and that's it. And it just stops right there. We don't need more Christians who say I believe and then don't act on it. We got plenty. We got plenty of them. See, the greatest single cause of atheism, I believe, in our world today is Christians. Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. And because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to live a life different and to love people. But we have to choose to take action. We have to choose to act on that. So let's prove to the world, let's prove to the world that our belief in Christ and God and the amazing plan that he has for our lives is more than just a bunch of words. That it's more than just a bunch of words. Let's show them how to, how to live a life with action of love and and the living hope of Jesus and connecting people to Christ and community and purpose as a family that has plenty of room for more people to be a part of the family. Plenty of room. As children of God, we need to encourage each other. We need to love each other. We need to encourage each other with these truths to remember that we have the privilege to call God, I don't know if you caught this in the verse, we have the privilege to call God Father. As a, as a follower of him, you can call him Father in the same way Jesus does. I know we say that just in praying and all of those kinds of things, but like, soak that in for a minute. You have the privilege to call him Father like Jesus does, and we are his children See, family encourages, encourages each other. We lean on each other. We learn from each other. We grow with each other. That's why we're so big on life groups. And that's why I'm going to make the plead again to be a part of a life group because life is better connected to each other and to him because we grow better in circles than we do in rows. And if we're going to live a life with hope and the hope of Jesus that we should have, then we need to do it together. We need to do it together within the family of faith because none of us have it all figured out. None of us have it all figured out and that's why we should not do this Christian life on our own. We need to do it together. That's how God created it to be. That's how it should be because it's tough to do this on your own and you were never meant to. We can do more together than we can apart. We can do so much more together than we can apart. And we need to, to really own that and lean into that. Jesus spent most of his time with a small group of, of people. Anywhere from three to 12 is where most of the Bible stories that we think of with Jesus, of his incredible teaching, happened in small groups. Very few were large settings like this. And we have life groups that are happening. We have new ones starting. We wanna start more if we can if it's needed. If you don't find a group that fits what your schedule and all of that is like, let's talk. Let's, let's make one. We're not meant to do this life on our own. We need to, to lean in 
on each other and walk through this life together and life groups is where it's at to be able to do that. We have groups for all different seasons of life, couples, co-ed, young adults, men's, women's, got all different kinds of groups. You could join a life group uh, today, um, either on the website, you can go see uh, what's available there and you can reach out uh, to our life group leaders there or better yet, you can do it in person because they're gonna be in the lobby again. And so if you didn't get a chance to sign up last week, um, they're gonna be out there um, immediately following the service here in just a couple of minutes. They'll have uh, clipboards there with all of the sign-up sheets and their dates and times and locations, all of that, because we believe life change happens best in community. That's why it's on the wall right there. It's one of our core values that we believe life change happens best in community. And that is, as I said last week, that's not a preference. That's an essential straight from the word of God. So I'm going to ask our life group leaders if, if they would head out right now to uh, take their positions and grab their clipboards and all of that stuff. And, um, and as they're, they're going, um, I, want to, I want to read this verse in Ephesians. I want to skip over to Ephesians for just a second. And I want to show you something here. As Paul is talking, he said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Listen, look at me. If the spirit of God can raise a dead Jesus, then the spirit of God can raise a dead marriage. If the Spirit of God can raise a dead Jesus and the Spirit of God can raise you up from an addiction, the Spirit of God can raise you up and break the chains of sin that you feel bound by that you don't know what to do or how to break. The Spirit of God can do anything in your life. You have to make the choice to lean into that though because he's not gonna force it on you and he's not gonna force himself on you. The power to start over and to change things because you can't do it on your own comes from the spirit of God. The power of his spirit in you, it's not limited by anything except you. Hear that. The power to be free from your past, the power to start over when you want to give up, that gives us living hope. That's why we call Jesus our living hope and we can combat sin because of the victory of Christ's resurrection and we can do that together. We can do that together. So my connection point for you today is that your freedom is in the living hope of Jesus. What you're feeling bound up and chained by is probably different than the person sitting next to you is probably different than the person sitting behind you. But you know what? We're, we're all a part of the family of God. And it begins, it begins with the spirit of Jesus living inside of us. And so if you need to walk in freedom, maybe the place you need to start is to evaluate whether you have the spirit of God living inside of you or not. See, through the resurrection, Jesus has conquered sin and death Believers can live free of the chains of darkness and sin. And so if you feel chained up by your sin, be honest with yourself. I asked you to evaluate yourself and examine yourself at the beginning. So forget about the person around you or whatever's going on in 20 minutes. 
I want you to think about where you landed on that at the very beginning when I asked you to examine yourself. If you feel chained up by your sin, it might be for one of two reasons. First of all, maybe you haven't utilized the living hope of Jesus that is within you. You trust Jesus, you believe in Jesus, but maybe you just haven't acted. Maybe you haven't taken that step. Maybe it's because you're trying to do it all on your own and you don't have another believer or two around you in the family of faith to help, to help walk you through that. You haven't utilized the power of Jesus that is the living hope inside of you via the Holy Spirit of God. Or number two, maybe, maybe it's because you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you at all. And if you're not sure about that, you haven't made the decision to accept the gift of eternal life. You may have heard this a hundred times. You may have heard this a thousand times. You're going to hear it every week that you come to Connect Church. You may have heard it a hundred thousand times, but maybe today is the day it makes sense. That you haven't actually made that decision to step into a relationship with Jesus and to surrender because you know where freedom lies? Freedom lies in surrender. Surrender to him and surrender to his will in your life and you're gonna find a freedom that you've never seen and you've never had and you've never felt. And you're gonna know the implications of Easter and what that really means for you as you walk in freedom and you know for sure that you're gonna be walking on the streets of gold with him one day. And if you're not sure, I would love to talk with you. I would love to pray with you. I know we have Connect 101 after this. The class can wait a few minutes. I would love to talk with you and pray with you if you need to know. So would, so would Trav, so would various other people who, who would love to talk and pray with you that may have yellow lanyards on that are walking around. You can pull aside any one of those. Any one of those people. And we would love to talk with you and pray with you and show you exactly how you can know for sure that you can walk in freedom and be with Jesus forever. And so as, as we close today, I want to ask you all to bow your heads and I want to read a passage of scripture and I want to ask you to just listen with your heart to the word of God for a minute. Honestly, just, just close your eyes and focus on what I'm going to be reading. This is in Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. But I want you to just listen to this encouragement. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing 
can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Heavenly Father, we need you. As we sang earlier, God, we need you. We need you now. I know some of my friends, some of my family here in my church family, Lord, we are, we are struggling with sin because we have a sin nature. And Jesus, I pray for those that have some specific things. I pray for those here that may be struggling with an addiction. I pray for those that may be struggling with, with time and, and scheduling things and prioritizing things. I pray for those that may be struggling with uh, financial circumstances. I pray for those that are struggling with relational issues, family issues, crisis with, with friends. Lord, there's so many things that we're struggling with that our sinful nature has put us in chains. And in many ways, we've made decisions to put ourselves there. And so God, we, we need you and we need you now. And we're grateful that you are the same God then that you are now and that you had the same power then that you have now. And so Jesus, I pray that you will uh, step in and show us the freedom that we can walk in because of your resurrection power because you are the living hope. And so Lord, if there is one here that doesn't have the living hope of Jesus inside of them, that doesn't know for sure that they can walk in victory and that they're forgiven of their sins, and that they can lean on the resurrection power of Jesus. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would know for sure that they're going to be walking the streets of gold with you one day. Lord, it doesn't mean everything's figured out. It doesn't mean all the problems go away. It doesn't mean they even have a full understanding of all of this, Lord, but they just know that they need you, and they know that doing it on their own hasn't worked, and doing it by themselves and without you has left us coming up short and feeling even more locked up and chained up. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray you would just move powerfully in this place. God, all of us are probably feeling the weight of sin in some way, shape, or form, whether we're following you or not. And so I pray that we would lean into your resurrection power and utilize that. That we would spend time, more time with you so that our heart becomes more aligned with you and that our, our choices, our decision-making is better and more aligned with what you would have for us. Help us to remember the freedom that we have because of the living hope of Jesus Christ. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.